the series is titled Used by God. Used by God. There are so many people who are allowing so many things to use them in life and allowing so many people to use them in life. But there's one person whom we must submit to and allow to use, and that is who? God. And I made this statement for the past weeks that God, if you can use anything at all, Lord, use me. Because the beautiful thing about God is that when God uses you, he doesn't dump you. When God uses you, he honors you. He promotes you. He causes you to progress. Now, there's something that we need to understand about God that although God wants to use us, God will not just use us. Can I repeat that? Although God wants to use you, God will not just use you. Now, when we are talking to the unbeliever who is coming to know Christ, we say, come as you are. The Savior loves you. Come as you are. Isn't that what we say? And that is the truth because when the person is not born again, God does not look at the state of the person. He says, whoever you are, whatever you've done, come as you are. But when you have come to know the Lord as your Savior, as your Lord and Savior, we don't say come as you are. We say come as God wants you to come. Because at that point, God has washed you. And last week we looked at the fact that God wants us to be purged. But God has washed you and cleansed you with his precious blood and separated you unto himself. And he has made you a certain person in the kingdom. And he says that when you come to know him, he doesn't want you to remain the same. He wants you to come as he wants you to come, not as you are. There are so many believers who are in the faith today, who are in the Lord today, but they are coming as they are. And you know, one of the things that we have deceived ourselves with, with the kind of gospel that is being preached today is that, oh, God loves you just the way you are. Oh, you can do anything and, and you just appear in the kingdom. Yes, God loves you. God's love does not diminish based on what you do or what you do not do. But God's way of dealing with you is dependent on how separated you are unto him. And, and we need to get back to that message because God will not just use you. And last week, I just want to do a quick recap. Last week when I talked about being purged, I said that if you have a golden vessel in the house and you have a plastic vessel in the house and the golden vessel is unclean, it is dirty, and then the plastic vessel is clean, which one would you use to serve your visitor? The plastic. It doesn't matter the value of the golden vessel. If the golden vessel is not clean, you don't use it to serve because it is what? It is not clean. It is not fit for use. And God wants us to be fit for use. Maybe I should have titled this series Fit for Use. And so today I'm going to talk about the second in this series and that is broken. Last week we looked at purged. Today we want to look at what? Broken. If there's one person in the scriptures that God used mightily, one person that, that pleased God, one person that honored God, one person who could actually, I mean, attract God's attention, that God, the only person that God said in the scripture that this is a man after my own heart. If there was one person, then that is a person called David. So David is going to show us his secret that allowed God to use him so much. Such that till date, David is still recognized as the greatest king of Israel. That, that many kings came after David, and yet anytime God wanted a standard to compare who was honoring him or not, he used David as the standard. 
Because the Bible says that, and this king did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not as David as his father. Because David pleased God and he honored God. And he had a certain disposition towards God. So we want to look at some few passages about David. Because David is going to reveal to us that one of the important characteristics of being used by God is being a broken person. And I pray, I prayed today and I said, God, please today break us in this service. You didn't shout amen. If I said, God, please release 10 billion Ghana cities, you would have screamed and raised your chairs. I said that, God, please break us in this service. So Psalm 89 verse 19 to 23. Psalm 89 verse 19 to 23. He says, then you spoke in a vision to your holy one. And this is a, a writer called Ethan. He was, he was actually recounting the things that God had done. He says, then you spoke in a vision to your holy one and said, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David. With my holy oil, I have anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. Also, my arms shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague those who hate him. Can you imagine the kind of testimony God had about David? He says, I have found my servant David, and I have anointed him with my holy oil. And look at the things that God says. He says that, look. He is the one my hand will establish. My arm will strengthen. The enemy will not outwit him. Nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I'll beat down his foes and plague those who hate him. Can I break some news to you? That when you position yourself to be used by God as a servant, you don't have to worry about what your enemies are doing against you or not. Because when you position yourself to please God and to serve God, God himself starts, stands on your behalf and fights your battles for you. Oh, some of you did not get that. He said, there's something about God. When you honor God and you touch his heart, he will not allow anyone to touch you. Because you are constantly in the place of honor. You know, we, we spend a lot of time praying, God, I bind my enemies, I kill my, I, I, stop killing your enemies. If God wanted to kill everyone, none of us would be here. I mean, God, do this. God, do that. But God says, no, if you position yourself as my servant, look at the things he said about David. He says, I will establish him with my hand. The enemy will not outwit him. I will not allow his foes to afflict him. I will beat them before him. Can you imagine? God says, I will beat your enemies before. Because David had positioned himself as a servant of God. So he says, I have found David, what? My servant. Ooh. Can you imagine God? Looking for a servant. So Acts chapter 13 verse 22 gives us a better understanding. He says, and this is Paul talking. He says, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them, for them David as king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Can you imagine? So when the Bible says that God found David a servant, Paul is actually expanding and saying that God found David, a man after his own heart, who would do all his will. Wow. A man who would do all the will of God. Can you imagine? All that God wants, all that God desires, there was a man on the earth who would do it. So God says, when he had removed Saul, he looked for someone who would take the place of Saul. And he found that David was the one who would do all his will. I said, God, please help me to be in the position when, when you are looking for someone who will do all your will on this earth. It is me that you will find. Amen. That God, 
God help me. And, and that's the truth. God is searching across the earth and he's looking for people. He's looking for vessels that will do all his will. Vessels who are after his heart, not after their own agenda. Because today we have a lot of Christians who are after our own agenda. Even when you are coming to church, you have an agenda. That God, I am coming and if you don't do this for me. There was a certain guy who just came to church for some time. Like The way the guy was coming so zealously, I know I had invited him to come to church. He wasn't coming. But when he was coming, I just sensed that no, there was an agenda. Just like a week before he stopped coming to church, he was like, Pastor, there are some lands that we have been fighting over. By, by God's grace, this week they'll be going to court, so please pray for me. So all along that he was coming for the past two months, his whole agenda was that God will fight for him. In court. Can you imagine that? So, so assuming Adiki, he won the case in court and got the land. God, I have dumped you because the reason for which I came after you, I have got it. So God, I am going somewhere. Can you imagine? So the next time he needs something again, he comes back to God. And that is how we treat God. We, we, we make God like, we, we, we use God. And we think God is a magician. So God will just do it for us and the next time he do. But he says that I have found a man, David, after my own heart. David was going after the heart of God. Can you imagine? It's like, this. no, there's something about God's heart. I want it. I don't want the hands of God. Because if I can lay hold on the heart, ah, the hand is in, enough to do anything. If I can get into the heart, then, then I'm always constantly on the mind of God. So the next verse that helps us to be able to get an understanding about David, and this is just foundational to help us to know the kind of person we are dealing with. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. He says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. And this is someone talking to Saul. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So look at something. The Bible is saying that God sought for a man. It means that God searched for a man. God, God literally searched for a man. A man after his own heart. Can I ask you a question today? That if in God's search, is he finding you? You know, Sometimes I try to do search on my, on my laptop or when I'm looking for a document, I, I'll just type in the name of the document. Or if I can't remember, the, I try to type any name that I can remember that can help the document pop up. And sometimes I will type and it will say search results zero. Or it says that search not found. Like I am typing the thing, but search not found. Can, and, and the number of times, I can imagine the number of times that God is searching. And there is a search not found. That God is saying that I needed someone in the area to, to stand in the gap and to pray so that I'll bring deliverance to this community. And he's searching and you are in the community. But God is searching and scanning and searching. Search not found. Because you are not in the position where God can lay hold on you and use you. That at the time that God was searching, you were busy sitting behind your television watching telenovela and your eyes were just so excited and uh, you were doing concern and now, now the telenovela, they have discussion after the telenovela. So you were joining in the phone in and the WhatsApp conversation and God said, I was looking for someone who I could use. But, but no, no, your mind was so far away that I could not even lay hold on you to use you for this thing that I wanted to do. How many times have we deprived people of the blessing that God wanted in their life simply because because we are not positioned for God to use us. 
But God said, I searched for a man. And I found David. So before Saul ever left the throne, David was already in line because God had found him. Can I ask you a question? Where, what is the condition of your heart if God is searching for someone today to use? That, that Are you ready? Are you in the position? So now God finds David. And he uses David. So David is revealing to us in the Psalms one of the things that makes God use someone. And in the Psalm, one of the things that David states is that if you want God to use you, if you want to be that person that God is searching for that you can find, then you must have a certain attitude of brokenness. So let's read Psalm 34 verse 18. He says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And save such as have a contrite spirit. It's not the broken heart, the, the broken heart that you gave to the boy, not that one. <laughs> he says, The Lord is near to those who have what? A broken heart. And save such as have a contrite spirit. Then in Psalm 51, verse 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. So, on two occasions, David is telling us that God is looking for a broken and contrite heart. He says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Isaac, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And I'm going to take my time to explain it. Because some of us are like, God, where are you? God, God is near to those who have a broken heart. And he saves those who have a contrite spirit. Then he says in the second scripture, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. So David is presenting to us two angles from which we have to be broken. In the first scripture, Psalm 34 verse 8, he shows us that we get broken through life circumstances. And I'll be explaining that later. And in the second scripture, Psalm 51 verse 17, he shows us that we get broken in repentance. So I'm going to explain those two because I'll give you a background to the passages. But before I do that, let's look at the word broken that David uses and the word contrite. It's very interesting because this word broken that David uses in the Hebrew means to burst. In fact, to understand it very well, I went into the, the ancient Hebrew text, the Bible dictionary, and tried to understand it. I said, the concept of bursting a seed out. So what they do is that they place the grain on a threshing floor. And when they place the grain on a threshing floor or, or a millstone, they crush it so that the seed can come out. So, so when the Bible says that God wants someone that is broken, what it means is that God places you on a stretching floor and he allows things to crush you and to break you until the seed that is inside of you comes out. Uh, you, uh, as we go on, you will understand. Because today God is going to break some of you. Some of you, the things that God has placed inside of you, they have been entrapped. They have been entrapped and God wants to free you so that the things that he has placed inside of you will come out for the world to benefit from it. They have been entrapped. So God is going to crush you. He is going to break you so that the seed that is inside of you can be released for the benefit of the world. So some of you, the things that have entrapped the seed inside of you is, is I mean, the kind of friends that you have. So God is going to break you. He's going to allow your friends to disappoint you and to hurt you. And in that process, when they are hurting you and they are disappointing you, God is actually crushing you so that the seed will come out. 
Some, some of you, the, the things that God is going to do to break you is the mindset that you have had that was put in your mind from the time you were born and it is there for a very long time. You think you can't amount to anything. You think you can't accomplish anything. God says, I am going to crush you and break you out of that mindset so that the seed that is in you will be released. So when David talks about being broken, he says that God is going to crush you. You know, so many believers don't want to hear that God wants to crush you, but God will crush you if you want, you, if you want him to use you. Oh, yeah, God will crush you. No, there was a season in my life that God, God crushed me so much that I knew that this one did, this one did. God, God, this one, you have got to your limit, but God was still crushing me. I told some people that there was a season in my life that I almost lost my mind. This fine gentleman here. But God was crushing me. He was like, no, I need to break this guy because if I don't do it, I can't use him. I don't know what it is that is holding you. What it is that has entrapped you, that which God has placed inside of you. I don't know what it is that is holding you back. God says that, look, if you are going to avail yourself and allow me to use you, then one of the things that I'm going to do is that I'm going to crush you. And you know, when they put that seed on the threshing floor, when they put that green on the threshing floor, the green does not have a say as to what is happening to it. The green is placed there and, and whatever they are doing, whoever is crashing will crash and until the person sees the results, they don't stop. Can I tell you something? Until God sees the kind of results that he wants to see in your life, he will not stop crashing you. That is why some of you are crying and say, God, why are these things happening to me? God says that this is my response. I am not going to stop until I see what I want to see. Oh, come on. Until I see what I want to see come out of your life. And some of you have in, inside of you so many golden things. And trapped inside of you is so many amazing things that the world is waiting for. Look for a great man in the world and you see someone who has been crushed. So God says, I want to use you, but I'm going to break you. The word broken, it's a very interesting word because in the Hebrew, it, it gives us the idea of, of breaking things like a vessel, like a bowl, like a door. That's what I like when Vicky was leading the prayer and she said something about the fact that, I mean, Jeremiah said that, 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 that he went to the potter's house and God said, can I not make you like this potter with the clay? That when God is molding and there's a problem, God says that, no, I will not just do what the Ghanaian artisans do. You know what the Ghanaian artisans do? They say, God says, no, I don't do my business like that. When there is a malfunction with what I am trying to mold, what I do is that I break it and I start all over again. Oh, come on, come on, come on. God says that I will break you until I get you there. It's one of the most dangerous things. One of the most painful things. But David could confidently say that the Lord is near those who break. Because the thing about God is that when he's breaking you, he stands by your side. You didn't get that. When God is breaking you, he doesn't leave you. He stands right by your side. And that's why he says that when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. When you go through the waters, it shall not overflow you. Because the Lord is the one that will make sure that the, the situation does not break you beyond repairs. It only breaks you to the point where the seed can come out. Because when you are crushing that grain to get the seed out, if you are not careful, you can crush the seed. So you have to be very skillful and tactful to break the grain in a way that you don't destroy the seed. 
in a way that the seed can come out. Can I tell you something? When God is breaking you, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful that he will not let you be tempted above what you are able. And even with the temptation, he will make a way of escape. God has given you three insurances that, look, these are my insurances for you, that when I am taking you through the fire, I will be with you. That when I'm taking you to the fire, it is not beyond your level. That when I'm taking you to the fire, it is common to man. Can I tell you something? That if you are going through a broken situation today, that God is right near you. He says he will break you. Ah, he will break you. Lord, break us. In fact, the word broken means to shatter in pieces. In fact, some Hebrew texts actually render it to maim. Or to cripple. You, you know, when you break someone's legs, <laughs> they can't walk again. They will need assistance. So, so when God says, I am breaking you, he says that you have been too dependent on yourself. So I am breaking you to the point where you depend on me. Oh, some of you did not get that. You know what? Some of you, God is going to take you to the place where you will lose all of self. In fact, being broken means that God wants you to lose all of self. You are too dependent on your intelligence. I am intelligent. I am beautiful. I am. Can I tell you something? If God wants to use you, you break you to the point where you realize you are not beautiful again. He will break you to the point where you realize that you are not intelligent again. That, that is not because of your intelligence that you are where you are. You know, some of us think that it's because of my skill. It's because of my qualification. It's because of my this. It's because of my that. When God breaks you and he will bring you to the point where you realize you are nothing without him. Absolutely nothing. And that's the prayer that I prayed. I said, God, please empty me of myself. No, no. Because this ministry journey is too dangerous. I have seen too many casualties in my short life. That God, please empty me of myself. I don't want to rise to the top and fall down because I, I couldn't be emptied of myself. Break me till I get to a place when you raise the dead by me. I'll just look at the people and smile and walk away and not be bothered about who is mentioning which name. That God, break me. That break us, Lord. That should be our desire. That should be our prayer. I've told you that in this church, I don't want it to be about monology. I want it to be that when people enter GTP Pagoda Assembly, they say, God is working. They say, who is God working through? God is working through everyone. Ah, God is working through everyone because we are broken vessels and we are saying, God, God use us. And there is no single name attached to what God is doing. Because who am I? I mean, who am I? Adiki? Who am I? Can I heal? Can I heal by myself? Can I raise the dead by myself? Can I preach this message by myself? Can I do these things by myself? No, I can't unless God does it through me. So God, break us to the point where we can only depend and rely on you. And that is the prayer I pray for you this morning. Because you see, if God can break you to that point, eh, you have no problem. God will use you like nobody's business. So when he says being broken... It is a process of crushing to unveil what is hidden inside you. When he says you are being broken, it is a process of shattering to take away the old in order to birth out something new. And God wants to birth out something new. When he says you are being broken, it is a process of affliction to bring you to the place of total dependence on God and not on yourself. And can I tell you something? When God says I want to bring you to the place of total dependence on myself, it's real there was a time that this church, we, we are so full, we had to go and buy extra chairs. 
we used to have the stage at this side and we filled this whole place and 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 and, and I was like so excited and so overjoyed that, wow, we are growing. And God said, you wait. No, no, God said that I am coming to show you that it is not you. No, it's not because you preach good messages. It, it's not because of anything that I want to show you that, look, it is just all about me. Then God started. The numbers started dropping. Then people started leaving. Then some of the committed people started going. Then things started happening. Then we could even come to a church and church service and then we are not up to 20. And it is where two or three are gathered. I said, God, what is this? God says, I'm crushing you. I'm breaking you. God had to break us. And, and, and I don't think God is done breaking. He's still breaking. But God has to break us to the point. So we get it. And when I see all of these things, I say, God, it's just God. Like when God is doing all the things, I say, it's just God. Because you can't get to the place where you can take the glory for yourself. Some of you, what God is about to do with your business and he has to break you because if you don't take care, you'll be, you'll be standing somewhere and say, and, and, and they'll be interviewing you. How come your business has done? Oh, it is because of my tactics and my strategies. And, and you know, I don't, I don't sleep. I work through the night and I, and I live. And God said, ah. Have you forgotten many years ago when you were working but no one was coming? No, haven't you seen that people wake up earlier than you wake up? I have driven through town at dawn and I have seen market women I mean, by the roadside with their goods at dawn, 4.35 a.m. with their goods and, and, and they still go back home and people have been born. And you think that it is because you are more diligent or, or because you wake up more. No, no, no. It is because God is the one working. Can't you see it? And so God says, I will break you and destroy every iota of pride so that you don't get up and say, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I will break you. I'll break you. I'll break you. I'll break you. Tell, tell the Lord, Lord, break me. No, no, I want you to say it with your heart. Lord, break me. Uh, some of you are afraid of that prayer. But, but it is the best prayer. When I was in SHS so many years ago, I, I, I used to pray. I used to fast and pray three days before I go to school every time. And then this is my prayer. Innocently, I didn't even know what the prayer meant. I was like, God, please deal with everything that is not of you in my life. Oh. God, please deal with everything that is not because crazy about God. God, please take away everything. Oh, Temuan, God did not mind me. Please take away everything. Then, I went to school that term, the next term. And God showed me that when you pray, I answer. Things that I never knew were inside of me. I became, I, I became scared of myself. Because you see, the thing is that some of you are too full of yourself. You think that you are right, righteous, you are, you are, you are holy. Like us or you, like there is nothing wrong with you. Oh, when people are smoking you, oh, me, I don't smoke. Wait till God throws his light. When God throws his light on you, then you will see that things that you thought you would never do were hidden inside of you. It was just a circumstance waiting to unveil it. Just a circumstance, waiting to unveil it. Someone says, that's for me. Hey, that's for me. I can never do this. Hey! Please, don't ever trust yourself fully that you can never do anything. Because until the circumstance presents itself, you never know whether you can do it. It is when God throws his light into your life that you will see whether you are capable of doing it or not. You see someone who has murdered the husband or someone who has murdered the wife and say, hey, how, what sort of wickedness is it? Wait till you come into that circumstance. Then you realize that it is deep down hidden inside of you. It was just waiting for something to unveil it. So, so before you ever get there, tell the Lord, break me. And take it all away. Take it all away. 
And you know, today when we finish praying and you go out of this place, because we are afraid, you will see God begin to show things. And, 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 and some of you might become a little bit scared. Hey, was this all, was this there? Some of you think you are patient. You wait. After you pray the prayer today, God will bring a test your way this week and you see that you are not patient at all. That God break me. You see, the thing about God's breaking is that it is not on your terms. It is on his terms. And God sees beyond what we see. But David does not just use the word broken. He uses the word contrite. So he says a broken and contrite spirit. Now, the word contrite is also very interesting because it gives us a clearer meaning of the extent of brokenness. In fact, that word means to crush like powder. In fact, the, the concept is those days, they, 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 they will grind the seed or they'll grind whatever it is. But their, their intention is that I want to grind it till it becomes fine dust. Till it becomes what? Powder. Dust. And, and when the psalmist says that God wants a broken and contrite spirit, what he's saying is that God is not only going to crush you <laughs> and bring the seed out, but God is going to grind you. And he will do that till you become fine powder. Hey! How many of you have, have pounded, um, what do you call it, fish? The dry fish that they use for sit on. You, you, you realize that when they want it to be smooth, they keep on pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. Then they turn it, then they pound it, then they pound it. They pound, because the thing is that they want it to be smooth. Now, until you attain that level of smoothness, you don't stop pounding. God says that, Adiki, maybe at the age of 40, I want to do something with you. But I want to grind you into fine powder. So from 20 something to 40, I will not stop. No, can, can you imagine that? That God says, I'll be pounding. I'll be pounding. You, you know, the one who is pounding is the one exerting the energy. But the one that, the thing that is being pounded is the one undergoing the pressure. So God says that I'm going to bring circumstances. And God doesn't mind. Because one moment, he will, he will strip you of everything. Then another moment, he will give you something. Then another moment, he will take away something. Like God will do it over and over and over. And like you're like, God, aren't you done? And God says, no. You have not turned into fine powder yet. Because when he talks about being fine powder, it means that God is putting you into a refined state. A state where you are so refined, baby. A state where you are so refined that someone can say the most hateful thing to you and you just smile and walk away. So until God has finished pounding you and grinding you to that state, he won't stop. Because possibly what God wants to do with you, you don't need to have time for what people say and what people do. So he will grind you. He will break you. He will continue. Then you, sometimes, you know, the most unassuming person is the person God will use to break you. Your pastor. <laughs> then you'll be expecting that that, that, that that pastor will be also nice. That pastor will be also nice. Then that day, pastor will do something that will shock you. You will go back home. You will think about it. Ah, you don't understand. God says, yeah, I've taken it to the next level. Oh, yeah. I've taken it 
taking me to the next level. God has used all kinds of people to break me. All kinds of people. And good news to those who are married. The person God will use most to break you is your spouse. Ah, get ready for that. You'll be broken. You'll be shattered. You'll come back again. You'll be broken. You'll be shattered. You'll come back again. You'll be broken. You'll be shattered. Because God wants to refine you. If you don't want the brokenness of God and being contrite, then please, the earth is not your place to be. That word contrite also in another understanding means to collapse. In fact, when you say something collapses, it means it gives way. It, it gives way so that what? Something new can come. Or it gives way so that it loses itself. So when the Bible says that God is looking for a contrite heart or a contrite spirit, it means that God is putting you in a place where you lose all of self. You actually give way and say, God, now have your way. God, please, may we get to a place where we don't stand in the way of what you are doing, that you will have your own way through us. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the things, God, 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 I'm afraid to ever stand in your way when you want to do something amongst your people in church. That because my mind is set this way, that God, this is how we are going to do it. That we do, no, no, God, please, now I'm stepping out of the way. Do what you want to do. Oh, yeah. Do what you want to do. And I'm not there yet. So when Vicky was leading the prayer, let's pray for our hearts. You know what? It just occurred to me that this my heart is very deceitful. It can drift away. So I said, Lord, please, this heart, it can drift away. This heart, it can move away. This heart, it can decide to go on its own course. So please, God, keep this heart. How, how many times have you realized that you have made a decision that God is going to do this and that and that and that? For the first one week, you are with the decision. The second week, because your heart is deceitful above all things. So you know what? You have to always bring yourself to the place and say, God, help me and break me. Break me. Break me. Break me. So when we say that you have a broken and contrite spirit, look at the circumstances within which David talked. The first Psalm, Psalm 34 verse 8, in which we read, when he said the Lord is near those who, are, who have a broken heart. Look at that Psalm. It was, it was a psalm of David when he had feigned madness before Abimelech. In fact, to understand this psalm, at the time that David was writing this, David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel. Can you imagine you come and then God gives you a prophetic word, you are going to be the this and that and that and that. David was anointed by Samuel to be king. Then David had killed Goliath, another amazing victory. The champion, David killed Goliath. But look at the next thing that happened. David was hated by Saul. Because the people showered praise on him. It was God's process of breaking David. Then, then David escaped from the spear of Saul three occasions. Then David got married to Saul's daughter. And then David won different battles against the Philistines. Uh, for Israel against the Philistines in the midst of all this. But look at another thing. Then David was running away from Saul. He ran away such that David did not even have food to eat. He had to run to the temple and ask the priest for the showbread. The showbread was a holy bread that only the priest could touch. But now David was so hungry, he had to run to the priest for showbread. And then from the, from the priest's place, David now had to run into the arms of his enemies, the Philistines, the very people he had killed. Now, the whole of Israel 
David was wanted, the king, the one who was anointed to be king. Now he was being chased so much that he had to go into the land of the Philistines. And when he got there and he realized that he was in danger, the Bible says he pretended to be mad. And he started spitting saliva all over himself. And the king said, why have you brought a madman before me? And they drove David out and he went to a cave. When he went to the cave, the Bible says 400 men who had death, who were distressed, who were destitute, they gathered to David. So look at David, anointed to be king of Israel, but being chased around, chased out of his own country into another person's land, pretends to be a madman. The same David who killed Goliath. The same David who was anointed with the oil. And now he's in a cave with 400 people who are distressed, who don't have anywhere going, and all they are doing is looking for someone to walk with. And David wrote this psalm in Psalm 34 verse 18 and says that the Lord is near those who have a broken heart because I can imagine that David after he had been anointed was expecting that, ah, Charlie, the next thing will happen is that I'll be on the throne. But here I am running for my life. And for, you see, when we read the scriptures, it looks like it's just a normal thing. But the interesting thing is that David had to go through these difficult moments so hard. Can you imagine you've run out of your own house? You don't have food to eat. And those days, they didn't have chocolate. They didn't have, so you walk for a very long distance. You pretend to be a madman. You are in a place where no one cares about you. You are a fugitive. When you come back home, you would. And this is a man that had been anointed. But David came to the conclusion and said, Ah, so all that God was doing in my life from the time that he anointed me was to break me. Because God knew David would become king over all Israel. And God had to root out a lot of things from David. Such that when David's own son, Absalom, revolted against David, David did not fight against his son. He had a, rather left in peace. Because David had been too broken. He had seen too many things. He says, why, why would I take this throne? You know what? God is going to break you to the point that no matter what God gives to you in life, it doesn't matter to you. It, it is nothing to you. The cars you have are nothing to you. The houses you have are nothing to you. That is why I'm not preaching that you have a car, you have a house. Oh, you know, they, are, they are nice, they are nice, but they are not the important things. There are far more important things to God than that. There are far more important things to God than that. Can I tell you something? God can decide today, within a second, to turn everything around for you. No, no, no. The, the, the gentleman who called me and gave the, the testimony, he was there. They didn't even know. They had been searching for a place for six months. Someone's trailer had to get stuck on the way for a for goods worth 100,000 cities to revert to, to get to them without a single strike. I mean, is, it, is it beyond God? No, no, no. Is it beyond? So it is not about the things that you will get. That Those things don't matter to God. The silver and gold is his. He created the heavens and the earth. He can give them all to you at once, one moment. Just one moment, you wake up and it's there. Just one moment. So if it is, if it, that was the reason why I come to church, then I'm sorry, you missed it. God wants to do something much bigger in you. That when he gives you all those houses, you will not be, you will not be walking around and think that the whole world is yours. <laughs> that you will see the people on the streets and, and your heart will be moved for them because God has broken you to the point that you realize the things that God gave to me is because he wanted to help other people. So, so David had to be broken. 
anointed king but running away because God had to work on David so that when he becomes king, it won't get into his head. That is why when David was bringing the ark and then he was dancing, the Bible says he danced and leaped to the point that his wife despised him and said, look at how the king of Israel was shamefully dancing among the maiden. And he said, it was God who chose me before your father. Can you imagine? And so I will abase myself much more than this. So if David hadn't been taken through the process of being broken, I mean, how could he even dance as a king before the ark and say that it was God who chose me before your father? So can I tell you something? God will break you to the point of humility. Let you realize that your choosing is not because of you. It's God who chose you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's God who chose you. Like, like I said, God, I know this church is about to grow and explode and expand. But please, let me never get to the place where I think it is because of anything I did. And when I pray that prayer, I know that then God is going to increase the fire. But God, I'm ready to go through the fire. Like God, I'm ready. Because you see, I have come to the point in life where I'm not scared about what God does me. It is better, and this same David said, it is better to fall in the hands of the Lord than to fall in the hands of my enemies. Because the thing about God is that when he's even taking you through the fire and breaking you, his mercy is massaging you. <laughs> Some of you did not get that. His mercy is what? Massaging you. Thou shalt bring forth. So that was the first circumstance. Let me wrap up. The second circumstance, Psalm 51 verse 17, when, God, when David talked about brokenness and being contrite, where he said, the sacrifices you want is a broken heart and a contrite spirit, was when David had now become king. And look at something that happened. David had become king, and instead of going to war, he was walking on top of his roof. Then he saw this beautiful woman called Bathsheba. And he lusted after this beautiful woman. And he took this beautiful woman and slept with this beautiful woman. And when the beautiful woman told him that I am pregnant, he says, ah, I have to find a strategy. So David orchestrated for the death of the husband called Uriah. And God sent Nathan the prophet to David and told David that David, he started a parable, very interesting parable. And David got angry because the parable, you know, when you hear the parable, you get angry. And as a kid, he thought like, Charlie, who is this person? The person deserves death. And Nathan said, it is you, man. Now, immediately Nathan said, David, it is you. The first response of David was, God, I have sinned. Because every broken person knows that when I do something against God and he brings conviction, I don't find excuses. When Saul was confronted by Samuel, after he had gone to fight against the Amalekites and he spared Agag the king, and then someone came and said, what is this sheep that I hear that are bleating? Because God said, destroy everything. Saul said, it's because the people wanted us to offer sacrifices. Do you know what someone told him? Has God had delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices done in your obedience? Let me tell you something. You cannot make up for your disobedience with an offering to God. In today's church, do you know what we do? We try to bribe God. We have done the wrong thing. God is convicting us and telling us that you have done the wrong thing. And instead of coming to the place of repentance and change, we come to the church with an offering and say, God, I'm giving you an offering. Can I tell you something? God does not need your offering. God does not need your money. God does not need your sacrifices unless that sacrifice is a sacrifice of repentance. 
So many of us are deceived to think that, oh, when I come to church and I give my offering, I bribe God. God, we are sorted out. No, no, no. God says, no, no, no. A broken heart is a, is a broken spirit that says that God convicted me of this and I have to repent. God, it's before you that I have sinned. It's before you. Not before anyone. Before you, God. So David is writing in Psalm 51 verse 17. He says that, and you know what? I'm sure David has seen what happened to Saul. So he says that, God, it is not sacrifices and offerings you want. Though. It is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That is the sacrifice you want. So God, I am sorry. God, I apologize. God, I repent. And today's church, one of the words that is missing is repentance. Because we are a church that is blessing God. I name it and I claim it. And I see the fruit. But the last time I read the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. You know what? Because we have misplaced the priorities, we are chasing after the things. But if we can come to the place of being broken and say, God, it's just about you. 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 Can I, can I give you some good news? That God will do amazing things in our lives without even praying about them. to a place where God is bringing your attention to something that I am doing wrong. And you say, I am the pastor. I'm a senior pastor. I have duty to come. But I think you go for online worship and you are driving people. I sang this week. We went to all services. What an amazing thing God is doing. I can, can you see the great things that God is doing and testimonies upon testimonies. Of, if God wasn't with me, would all these things be happening? Can I tell you something? <laughs> the, the things that are happening in your life is not a sign that God is with you. Because there's something called God's mercy. When God's mercy is released in your life, it doesn't matter what you do or not. God can just allow things to flow into your life. God allows the rain to fall on both the evil and the bad. God does not discriminate. Whether it's when, when it's raining and shining, it, it shines for both the person who is evil and the person who is good. It rains for both the person who is It's called mercy. But that is not an indication that God is with you. to come to the place where you are broken. And can I tell you something again? That the gifts of God can still be active in your life when God has left you. A long time ago. But the time God has left you, you search for someone else and you've driven the person. And before you realize, God has pushed you away from where you're supposed to be. Well, as Saul. Saul was still king for more than 13 years after God had rejected him. For 13 years. So you can still, you can still be be all that you, you know, you can still be. You can still be. You can still be. But God would have left you a long time. I said, God, please leave me and never leave me. And I wrote something when I was preparing the message that the longevity of how well God will use you is dependent on how broken you are before him. So how long God is going to use you on this earth? Ah, I said, God, I want you to use me ah, to the point where the day that I am dying, you, you, you are still right by my side and still using me. The other day, I shared one fantasy with you about the way I want to die. Today, can I share the second fantasy? My second fantasy about how I want to die. I want God to use me so much that on my deathbed, that one is not in the church, but on my deathbed, I, 
that God is taking you on a journey in the anguish and the excitement of the journey to take you there. You are coming and, and all the people that come here, and they can, they can feel that ah, the house is so nice, the excitement is here. And, and then by the time he's told to go in, the, the house is just trash because it's one of my fantasies. It's one of my fantasies in life. But, but no, God used me. God, let me be so broken. So broken before you that you can take me at any time and say that when I use Emmanuel, he will not give any glory to himself. But you can be so broken that God will say, ah, you are so humble. I want to always use you. You know what? It took God 40 years to break Moses. By the time Moses led the people for the next 40 years, the Bible says Moses was the meekest man on the earth. Ah, 40 years. Hey, God broke a man for 40 years. He had to take all of Egypt out of him for 40 years. Can I tell you, sometimes the, the length of your brokenness is going to be determined on how well you are exposed to the world. God says, I have to rid you of a lot of things. Take this out. Take that out. Take this out. Take that out. So may God help us. May, may God help us to come to that place where we are completely broken. And so my final thought is, how did David get to the place of brokenness? And, and how can we also get there? Number one, he allowed God to use his circumstances to break him. So when you allow God to break you, it is easier for you to have a broken response anytime you are hurt. When you allow God to break you. also against our theology, right? Because our theology says that everything you ask God, he will do it. Well, you don't know what God is doing. Sometimes God is breaking our heart. And I love the place of Abraham. He says, I have a heart of brokenness. And I, ah, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And I cried to the Lord three times. And nothing spoke. You know God's response? God said, I have raised his son from the dead. Hey! God, I have prayed that you would take away this thorn from my flesh. And do you know what God tells him? I have raised his son. Any father would have prayed this. So, God, help us to differentiate between the circumstances we are using to break us and the circumstances that we have to get out of. That's the one. the moments that will break our heart and the moments that we are looking for God to break us. Because God is waiting to break us in this journey. Hey, hey God, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. The second thing David did is he submitted to the workings of God. A completely surrendered life to God is an issue that comes up about God. You have to submit everything to God and God will allow you to break it. Third thing that David did was that he had given himself to the word of God. 